You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Huh. Trevor Chew. And I was just saying to Matt, I nailed that little paradiddle type thing. You're practising your um, drum fills on the desk there, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really quite sound as good no. when it's just by itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll keep working on that. How are you doing out there? It's the afternoon here on the wonderful 3 FM broadcasting to you from... We're in East Brunswick today, as we are pretty much every other week. And Where uh, are we, Matt? We should say a big thanks to the scientists and also the doctors, a good show before that. Yes. And what a cracking day here in Melbourne town. It's a warm, early autumn day. Has that fog cleared up? No, it's still pretty hazy, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, other, than, other than the smoke haze and the fog mm. and the sound of wasps in the air. Less so nowadays. You can't hear them as much, those cars. Nah. But, yeah. nah never Watch out for the plane a bit later on. If, you, if you're not aware, the big military plane comes in and scares <laughs> the hell out of everything pretty I, much. I had a neighbour uh-huh. thought, wouldn't it be a great idea if I take the cat out to show the... <laughs> no, seriously. She's got the cat on her shoulders. I'm going, this is going to go well. <laughs> so have we got Mercurochrome on standby, you know? Because I remember I, my old cat, the famous Clancy Fearless. Yeah, the gunslinger. The gunslinger of, of, of Ackland Street, Street yeah. yeah. Uh, there was only one thing that frightened him, mm-hmm. and that was the, the F-18, jet. and yeah. the ears would flatten down, and he would just go, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Uh, 12.03, we're going to get into this uh, show because it's going to be a beauty. Yes. Dan Hunter. Mm. Um, of Bray. I'm going into my serious measured voice. Yes. Yes. Where is Bray, Ken? Where is Bray? It's in Birigawa. Uh, it's inland from Lawn. Yep. Uh, sort of, uh, would it be between Lawn and Colac? It's sort of it's around there, isn't it? Any yeah. that sort of anywhere. About a 90-minute drive from the city, I reckon. And, and a nice drive at that. And a, Well, yeah, especially when you arrive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yes. you go, whoa. <laughs> and you have a reservation. And you have a reservation, and it's all cool. Um, but, uh, yes, Bray, uh, highly regarded, uh, lauded around the world. Yes. Um, and Dan Hunter is, um, agreed to, actually the great thing was that Dan Hunter actually approached us mm. to have a chat because I thought to myself, there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to speak to Dan Hunter on a Sunday at noon. Normally pretty busy around that Normally. Time well, that was the same with like Matt Stone in, at Oak Ridge. Always yes. wanted to talk to him because he's a very much an admired chef. Funny, someone actually asked you before the show, not me, said, oh, you're so brave. So, Cam, what, what's, what's that shtick? What's that all about? Yeah, what's that all about? And so we grappled with that. And I reckon uh, Bray, in 20 words or less, is uh, hyper-localism, superly local sourced ingredients, treated well, but you then said, but doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, with a, with a, with a sense of humour. Because mm. I remember I had uh, the first course that I had. I was lucky enough to have a lunch at Bray, and mm. there was like this little tartlet with the uh, crayfish, and I very carefully took it to my mouth to eat, and it just exploded all this <laughs> yellow stuff on the tablecloth. I went. Ah! Were you, wearing, were you wearing a white shirt? I hope you weren't. No, no, no. But I, I turned into sort of Beaker from the Muppets and just went, oh, my God, I made a mess, you know. And uh, the waiter came over and laughed and went, ha, ah, that's <laughs> good. That's just to relax you a little bit. It's okay to make a mess. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, we have uh, Dan Hunter is on the show. John is at the market. Yes. Uh, as we ruminate over the seasons. And uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. Oh, yes. And if uh, St. Patrick was an Italian saint, it would be St. Pasquale. You were saying St. Patrick... Not the nicest of guys. Uh, apparently not. Mm. Apparently not. Was a uh, chaser down of uh, pagans. 
Right. Shall we say? Because mm. he represented the other side. Yes. So I'd do a... I'm not going to... Stop. Just <laughs> you were about to do an accent. No, I was just about to say something that's probably not quite correct to, to say. But anyway, St. Patrick... Uh, not the hale and hearty bloke that you might think of that you might meet in an Irish pub. Probably the the most famous of all the saints, because obviously it's a Irish tradition to go just and get, get really drunk to, to get lacquered on. We his, get drunk, yeah, yeah. and with uh, green Guinness, yeah, green beer. Uh, but anyway, happy St Patrick's Day. Uh, no doubt our Irish whiskey man will be celebrating oh. very very well. Big day to Nick. Um, but uh, and uh, but then we also have something that is um, a real harbinger of change here. Mm. The way that we look at a lot of different things. And yes. in the uh, green room, yes, he's still there. That's good. We still have our guest. Hasn't run away. Run away. Uh, Liam Matthews um, has recently taken over the Carring Bush, renovated it, made mm-hmm. it all great. Um, you know, it's an inner city pub. What's yep. so special about that? The menu, mm. it's vegan, Ooh. and it looks really cool. Excellent. Um, so we're going to talk to him about that and as to how did you go down that path, uh, why, what's it like, <laughs> you know. What's what's on the menu? What's on the menu? What does that taste like? Yeah. Have you got deep fryers? No, anyway, no, we'll, we'll talk to him about um, mm. that sort of thing and um, what is a, a real evolution and if we were, say, five years ago, we'd probably use the yes minister thing and say... Courageous decision, mm. uh, but maybe not so more. No, now it feels like the time has well and truly come. I think so. Look, it's um, 12... Oh, what did I have? I had a couple of things because uh, we were talking... Um, uh, oh, we've got a giveaway later thing. on too. Oh, Sorry, we do I'm, have I'm a giveaway. Just so I'm just talking right over you. It's how excited I am. Fromage au Trois. Yes. At uh, Werribee Park. Yes. Uh, part of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. It's on next week. We've got, uh, I think, three double passes. Don't uh, ring now. Don't ring now. Don't ring now. Back off the front. Um, yes, and we'll be giving those away. Mm. Now, I think I asked you the question, which was, I said, Matt, so mm-hmm. Matt, uh, have you ever seen that movie with Bette Davis, All About Eve? And I said, no. I went, oh, never have I. But there's an interesting quote from it. Yes. <laughs> and the quote is, remind me to tell you about the time I looked into the heart of an artichoke. Meaningless, I know, but <laughs> it was sort of heart of an artichoke. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, ponderous. Uh, apparently on this day uh, in 1915, absinthe is outlawed in France and several other countries. Is it really? Yeah. Why was that? Probably doesn't say. It was basically because um, some guy, mm. uh, there was a really, really brutal murder and mm. he'd consumed, I don't know, let's say caps of opium and yeah. this and yeah. that and that. And, but, and, but his but last drink was His absinthe. last drink was, was an absinthe and they went, oh, mon Dieu, we must get rid of this thing. So anyway, 1915, it was uh, it was banned. 1209, I think we should just get a tarry on and yes. um, get that phone line cooking across to Bray. Yes, sounds good. Chat to Dan. Coming up on 3 Triple R F M. Triple R is where you are. It's 12.11 here in beautiful downtown East Brunswick. But by using electrons mm. in an organised kind of way, we are able to go up to Birigawa and have a chat to Dan Hunter. Wow, welcome to the Airwaves, Dan. Thank you very much, fine sir. How are you? I'm, look, I'm, I'm great. Um, one of the great innovations that you have sort of come up with uh, at uh, your place up there is to see your daughter on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's been a 
one of the greatest movements forward that we've discovered in recent years. So, yes. Oh, well, we're probably we're probably under a year, but we're getting there, which is pretty good. Yeah. So uh, the daughter remembers your name and all that sort of stuff now. Uh, she's pretty good with that. She's got a good memory, so it's yep. um, yeah. She's never lost that, thankfully. But it's it's really nice to be able to dedicate a, a family day when you yeah. want to run a business of this nature. So oh. it's all. Well, and all, all good. I think more more chefs should be doing it, and, and there should be more appreciation that chefs need to do it as well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And so um, you work so hard, and you, so you have so many balls in the air, just thinking about stuff. How do you actually empty the mind, and, and what do you do on the Sunday on on this really, really uh, precious day off? It's a very, very beautiful day here today. So, I mean, mm. generally, we, um, we we try and get out of town a bit and get down not too far away, but down the coast a lot. So down to the Ocean Road, down to around Apollo Bay. We like it. It's very close yeah. to us. It's 45 minutes in the car. And, and basically, you sort of, once you get over the, the hills of the Otway, you're in a different different mood and different planet, and no one can get to you, and there's no... No invoices to pay, stuck to the fridge and things like that. So we just we just really try and do something quite separate from what we do the other six days of the week. So it's um it's an important day, you know. It's a, it's a, an absolute a switch off day. So thank you very very much for having oh, a, my pleasure. having my pleasure. A, a chat to us. So let's just sort of fix this place. Um, the uh, the physicality of it, the idea of it. Um, it's a um, how do we describe this? It was a place you took over from a guy called George Byron, a place called Sunny yep. Bray, and yep. you were able to get your own vision and uh, take off with that. How long ago was yeah. that now? That was, well, we're in our sixth year now, so that was in 2013 that that all happened. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, obviously taking over the property in, in July, I think, and then opening in December. Um, and really, I guess we haven't stopped since then, in a sense. We haven't really, we haven't sat back and said, okay, that's how we want things. We've just always been moving along forward, and, and that's, I guess, evolution of cuisine and, and, and what we do inside, but externally yeah. uh, and with with the nature that we have available and, and the grounds and the, the property that we have, probably that's where the most effort's gone, to be honest. You know, it's probably yeah. not, not as realised because, you know, obviously from the outside you hear about, what happens in the dining room and what happens on the plate and things like that. But all of that only happens because of what we've, you know, the efforts that we've put into the into the place. So that's our main, I'm not saying it's 100% focus, but a lot of the stuff that we do inside stems from what we're able to achieve outside. What did you inherit from, from George? There's a few olive and fruit trees. I... Yeah, so there was um, about 120 olive trees on the property, which we've pressed Whoa. every year, which has been great. Um, and, I mean, that's, you know, that sounds a lot when you live in the city, obviously, but 120 olive trees... Oh. It's probably not that much, you know. Oh. You, you probably from that you get about, you know, on a good year you might get a hundred litres of oil. To be honest, um, you might okay. get you yeah. know ha- half a ton of olives and and you know ten, twelve, fifteen percent of that on a good year. So it's um, yeah, you, you don't you don't get huge quantities, but it's very nice to have a, a an absolute hundred percent organic oil that you've hand picked yourself and mm. and then press on the day. And, and you know the value of that for your guests is something quite quite personal and quite delicious you know so that's good there were some uh fruit trees as well there probably was about 40 established fruit trees uh some some still kicking some not some probably were never that prolific some very interesting and then great for a restaurant like ours and i guess what we've done is probably taken the bones of what was there and then really expanded um production wise but also i think expanded in terms of 
uh, just a nice place to be. A lot of a lot of plantings of um, indigenous species of flowering plants and trees, um, yeah. which is really important for organic property in terms of you know raising bee colony and pollination and bird life and you know bringing good insects into the property and things like that. So that's been a, a major concern, and, and bringing nature to that property has been a real emphasis on what we've done. Um, and then yeah, there's I mean it's a 23 acre property with lots of bigger. Yeah, so 23 acres, and that includes, you know, a couple of dams and uh, a, a nice, clean sort of 10 acre has been a grazing, but it's now a cropping paddock. And, um, you know, we've had some great success this year with a, a great wheat and spelt crop. Um, and well, and yeah, it, just, just, I'll stop you there for a sec, Dan, because that was, this is the sort of thing with this constant evolution, because uh, where were you getting your, your wheat from before you decided yeah, well, to turn the paddock time, over? For over a decade, I've purchased wheat um, out of a mill in New South Wales, up in Gunnedah, and it's sort of, mm. you know, it's a funny thing, wheat and flour. It's, um, you know, it's the one, the one element in the kitchen that all the chefs that talk about produce are happy to have a, a bag of dead yeast cells in the corner. You know, like it's, um, <laughs> it's a funny thing. And, and when you start to mill your own wheat and start to work with it, it's very, very different, and it obviously has a great sense of place and a great, um, you know, it's it's actually quite different to work with, but. You know, so my my sort of thought was, well, we can't grow it and we'll keep buying wheat and we will mill it at grey and stuff, but the best wheat that I was able to find consistently was coming out of that mill and that was often purchased in Victoria, going to New South Wales for processing and then coming back to us. And obviously when you're trying to work within, you know, your, your geography and, and, and trying to be a spokesperson for that as well, it's sort of something that's always irked me in a sense, a little bit but jarring. I see a solution, you know, yeah. like it's, um, it wasn't something I could, it hasn't been easy, and there is, look, to be honest, there has been a really great development in sort of local grain economy in the last sort of five or six years, so that's also changed in that time, and there's more availability, but wanting to cook a cuisine, which is very representative of our place, obviously, and we have a strong bread program, and, and obviously very proud of that, so... The next step was to sort of burrow down into how do we do this, and um, thankfully we have a, a bit of land where we can do it on, and we're probably able to grow enough to support our what we require in a year plus sell a bit off. So, yeah, this year we did that. We've sort of prepared a, a paddock for a couple of years and, and did that. What did you do when you say you prepared a paddock for a couple of years? What does that mean oh, some, for us city folks? Some little bit of grazing, you know, some quick grazing. So yeah. on, off, on, off, on, off. So, so, so get some. Um, dare I say it for a city folk to say, get a bit of poo on it and get some nitrogen in there. It, Is that it? Yeah, right. Good, good poo. Enough to to just get it, you know. Not too much saturated. poo. So on and off, yeah. and then I guess a bit of rest and some composting at regular intervals and mm-hmm. and spreading a lot of compost on there and and then I guess getting rid of a bit of weed by just sort of shaking the roots a little bit without. You know, digging them up and not turning the ground over too much, and really just oh, okay. yeah. tr- treating it in a way that allows a little bit of, I guess, biology to develop in the soil yeah. um, to try and increase a little bit of that. And then, yeah, and then essentially in you go, and and I guess it's all a bit of a risk. Um, a paddock mm-hmm. which probably wasn't, um, you know, perhaps wasn't in its you know strongest moments. A block of land that's probably been there for a bit of time. Yes. A bit dormant, not really that active. But we got a really great result for a first year and it's something that's been great. And we've been using that now. We harvest that in January and we've been using that now in the last sort of month in the restaurant and I think I've got my head around it now, which is great. <laughs> and um, and it's I think yeah, I think really this week is probably one of seen the greatest results so far of 
of that. And a lot of people do acknowledge that we have really great bread and bread program at the restaurant. And so a lot of people, particularly repeat customers, come uh, often and talk about the bread and want to see the bread and see the evolution of the bread. So it's not just a sort of throwaway thing for us. It's something which we do dedicate a lot of time to. Um, and that sort of, I guess, you know, getting into the agricultural side of what bread is, you know, it's a pretty important staple globally. Yes. And then, I guess, wheat in a in a period of time when everyone's sort of, you know, holding up crosses when people have got wheat around them because it's such a terrible <laughs> thing, apparently. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's nice to be able to grow something which is really important grain in the history of mankind, grow it at Bray, mill it, serve it, and, uh, and it's delicious. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's a funny thing, Dan, that um, there are a lot of, there's a view around that uh, for those that might, for some that have trouble digesting bread, if you give them a very good natural sourdough, uh, that mm. is that is uh, all the, you know, the enzymes get used and uh, the the nutrients can, can be exhibited, a lot of people don't have troubles digesting that sort of bread. Not, not so much. Not so much trouble. Obviously, mm. we, we live in a climate, and most of us who are alive today have been around for a bit, and we've been exposed to probably a couple of things, really fast hydration of, of industrial wheats, wheats that have been grown probably with the assistance of, uh, you know, some glyphosate and some pretty harsh chemicals, and they've had both had negative effects on human biology and so we're getting this like reaction at this time I think and um, yeah. and certainly long, slow, cold, high hydration and fermentation breads tend to be much more uh, digestible for yes. those who've shown symptoms of, of gluten intolerance. Yeah. Hey, you know, with, with the garden that you've uh, got going there, what just as sort of like a general, what, what percentage of stuff that you produce in the restaurant actually comes from that garden and maybe after that you can just describe what's in your garden at the moment yeah i mean it's a good question and it's i guess a pretty it's a, you know it's a quite a typical question to to be honest like it's you know how much food you grow and i guess um you know even going further than that into into this the realm of restaurants with gardens it's like a big competition like you know how much do you grow sort yeah. of thing. And, and i guess um the truth is uh it changes every it changes. single season yes. and it changes and and the, it'd be great if you could actually put a number on it um, because this summer has been very hot and very dry and it's been the hottest January in this region ever recorded mm. and the lowest rainfall in a January that we can remember and many people around here are really struggling and it's parched and we ran out of water a week and a half ago. So, Did you really? Um, it's tricky, it's tricky but having said that, in amongst that, in a year such as this where uh, we did have good water stocks and do have previous irrigation systems and, and that's irrigating out of dam water so collected rainwater. Um, we, at the moment, in the last probably six weeks to a month, the best part of the end of summer, we've probably produced enough food daily to, to have about 90% of all of our vegetables and plants um, served in the restaurant come from come from the property. I wasn't expecting um, you to say that high. Wow. It's huge, to be honest. That's yeah. It's been, been our best Holy season God. ever. And look, to be in winter... Um, again, so a winter following a really amazing summer in terms of uh, productivity, we can still be up to, let's say, October has been the latest time where we're still serving food that was grown in summer that's been preserved or fermented or put away um, in that sort of style to then be still used throughout the year. So not only does a good summer mean you have a good summer product, it means that you get your sustainable 
into the year as well. So, um, and and we've got we've got we've really got production up to a level where we can do that. Having said that, a winter where you don't have a great summer, you might be down to as low as as say sixty percent of what you service uh, comes from the property. Um, and I guess you know it's not a huge restaurant. We're a forty seat restaurant. We do six services a week. Um, so you know, and I mean, I don't think any any restaurant can be a hundred percent. Uh, self-sustainable and nor should they probably intend to be if yeah. they're living in a small community because you're surrounded by farmers growing food and the more you support them the more they support you and your community develops you know so that's sort of um, taking the the wolf tasker sort of model isn't it Ella? yeah we, we don't try to we don't try to make any claims of being self-sufficient and I, I don't think it's i don't think it's very healthy for small communities for people to isolate themselves from your other growers it's you should be promoting them and and keeping sort of money in your in your you know your local economy so that's a very important thing because when you are tight i mean the great thing is for us is that we draw our income from a dining room so mm. it's an agricultural project a hundred percent and there's a restaurant involved in that um if we have a bad season i can go to you know joe scarf foothill organics up the road which we do buy a lot of stuff off anyway um and and buy the stuff which we missed out on or have a chat to him and see if he can put stuff in especially for us or put stuff aside for us um, and then he benefits and we benefit, and then when his kids have their 21st, they come to the restaurant, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, uh, that's the way small towns should function. It's probably the way, you know, cities should function as well. So. Yeah, indeed. So what are the things that, uh, what's, what's great coming out of the garden at the moment? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a funny time. It's, uh, you know, calendar, calendar seasons are always a tricky one. You know, first is, First of the month means change of season, and obviously that doesn't always apply. So um, we're, we've had, as I said, a really great summer season, and now I think it's fair to say that in Australia we're probably leaning more towards some more uh, traditional views on seasonality in this part of the world, whereas we don't just have the four northern hemisphere in Paris season. We might have the six. six or seven, you yeah. know, and... Um, and certainly there's a lot more talk on menus of, of summer and late summer and, and early autumn and late autumn and those things and breaking the seasons up because you do get that variation of, of time of the year that's much more... And you notice it much more when you grow food as well. You notice that seasons that have their moment and you're in it for a week, really, but you have the spin-off of it, you know, three weeks leading in and six weeks rolling out. But the best ones are in a certain time. Um, so summer... It's still going for us, and we've still got, you know, shed loads of tomatoes. I mean, we harvest probably 200 kilos of tomatoes a week. Um, 200 a week? Every week for, you know, that's been since we returned in January. Um, and that's looking at sort of, you know, 30 varieties of tomatoes planted over about 150 metres in terms of beds. Um, so quite a few. Um, pumpkins, you know, your squashes, zucchinis are pretty much gone. Yeah, they're, uh, they're all... Cucumbers still going for us, but a lot of pumpkins and things coming into play. We're sort of sowing all of our our, some, our you know autumn stuff now, um, which is being developed in, you know, as seedlings in hothouse and then now coming out. Um, the issue you have with that is you've got, you know, this week again, we're preparing for a saturated soil and trying to get some, some water into the soil before planting out things that are ready to go. And then this week it's, um, you know, we've got six days of 30 degrees predicted for this week now. So and, and this week coming yeah. up, yeah, it's coming up, it's going to get yeah. bloody hot you, again. Yeah, you put your, you put your brassica seedlings in and it's still very hot and all yeah. the white moth that's been living on all the, you know, 
yellow flowering brassica and canola and stuff in the western district all turns up like gangsters and just ruins your garden in an afternoon. So you've got to you've got to <laughs> you've got to be careful of that as well. So it's um mm. it's a tricky time this time of year. It's a very plentiful time. Um, you know, lots of beans, still lots of beans. It's amazing how things will produce. I mean, we're still producing, you know, little alpine strawberries that first started, uh, first started on the menu in sort of late October, November last year. And they're still um, kicking. Let's hear, let's hear it from a perennial. Kicking, you know, <clears throat> it's amazing. You get sort of six months out of those those things. It's, you know, people talk about what's it season, and it's like November to, you know, November to May is not a season. It's, uh, it's a full half a year almost, you know, so it's... Um, it's pretty nice. And then a lot of stone fruit for us is sort of finishing, but we have, uh, you know, figs and pistachios and, and, and things like that, which are really starting to kick on. Fresh pistachio is a pretty amazing product. Um, still getting berries, different berries for us. So boysenberries, still a few about. Blueberries have, like, nice autumn blueberries and raspberries, which are really prolific at the moment. But they do require water, and it's a bit of a juggling act. Like, are you sort of watering to get the end of your last crops or saving water to get some water in for your next crops at this stage. So, God, um, I hope it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain soon. Hey, Dan, I've, I'm getting the wind-up from uh, from Maddie at the moment, but there is oh, one come on, thing. <laughs> come on, mate. Um, <laughs> hey, um, but I just wanted to get an idea. Okay, Cook's Day Off. Yep. What, just, in a, just, in a, in, just quickly, what sort of stuff do you cook at home when you're away from the restaurant? What do you oh, like? Pretty easy stuff. I, I'm like, I probably said this story a hundred times, but I yeah. tend to cook a roast chook every single week, just chuck it in, and then, you know, it's you know it's ready when you've finished a bottle of wine. That's a, that's my sort of timing for a roast chook. Um, but, I mean, this time of year, a lot of cooking outside, like, so, you know, trying to cook too much inside, and just, because we do have such a prolific garden, it's, I literally just grab some things, wander around, roast roast a piece of meat outside of some description and then just chop up. I don't tend to do elaborate things at home. I mean, I guess in a sense it's a little bit what we do at Bray. It's an extension of just what I like to eat. It's it's product first and it's a technique which is underlying that. Mm. Um, and that's sort of it, simple. So, you know, maybe the food in the restaurant isn't simple all the time, but Essentially, it's a couple of ingredients in their best moment, handled respectfully and seasoned properly, and then hopefully let them do the work. And that's why, you know, I think sometimes our kitchen is the main work we do is months and months and months before we see it on the plate because it started with the idea to put something in the ground and then nurture it to the plate. And, um, and let that ground yeah. express itself through the food. Yeah, and that's yeah. why you've got to have healthy soils to do that. So, you know, good organic soil tastes better than parched, chemical-ridden <laughs> sand, you know? Yeah, hello. Um, hey, um, Dan, we better get uh, get a move on. I wish you um, full dams before too long uh, and, and some rain because it is as dry as a chip around here. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, thanks for having a chat to us, and um, let's thanks, catch right. up again soon, and uh, All right. you can let's give us that. an early winter report. No worries. Enjoy the no, uh, the no. day off, and uh, I shall do. Thanks heaps. All right, enjoy your day. Will do. Dan Hunter from mm. Bray. Wow, uh, how does he keep those balls in the air? Yeah, just incredible. Uh, it is twelve thirty-one. Some oh, my music, Lord. maybe. What about some music? What about some music? Whatever happened to music? Mm, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Uh, 12.34 here on 3 Triple RFM. Great to talk to Dan Hunter. I thought uh, 
There's a lot of good things he said, but mm. uh, what was it? Insects. Insects <laughs> coming like gangsters. It's to take over your, ruin your garden. In ruin your brassicas. Damn they're it, go- they're here. Hey, they're coming. Uh, go the ruler. Anyway, uh, we've got a giveaway before yes, we go to and market. this is for an event next weekend. Cam, would you like to outline what it is? I'd like to say it's Sunday, the 24th of March. Yes. What a day it will be for cheese. Uh, cheese everywhere will celebrate. No, Werribee Park. Yes. Um, great place. Uh, it's called Fromage Autois. Mm-hmm. Fromage Autois. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a uh, cheese festival. It's setting all around the great gardens of Werribee, and that's kind yes. of awesome, I yes. think. Uh, it, it's going from 11 till 6. Um, and um, you're invited, you triple R kind mm. of people. We've got three double passes to give away for you. So we should say, you, so you must be you must be available to go. It's what, next weekend? You must, and you Saturday must be able to and come. And, oh, and we'll get the details and we can email the tickets to you. So that sure. kind of makes it easier. Sure. Um, they're about 47 bucks a ticket. Still good value. Still good value. But if you don't want to pay that, give don't us a ring. Yeah, give us a ring. And, of course, you must be a, a subscriber. Otherwise. I will hunt you down Q. I I just remembered I got the phone number wrong. It's 9388 Did you give the old one? No, I almost did. You almost did. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and the question is, um, in 1919, what country banished absinthe? Yes. Were you paying attention? Huh? Yes. Huh? Were you? Um, so uh, maybe we should do that. Matt will take the the, uh, the calls. Yes, we'll get all that stuff organised on our end. But on the other end, it's time to go to the market, and Matt will push this button, make it happen like this. All right, I found John. And yes, he's I am fiddling through the tickets. Yes, unusual. Normally, I'm chopping, but now I'm looking for what price looking for? tags. What, what, which one? Are, what's the magic number? Ah, uh, three dollars. Three dollars. What's that for? First, some zucchini that we've got there, the lovely zucchini. Yes. And then we got some different ones, five dollars. So, are they small? Have you got some um, small ones still? Smallish, yes. Smallish. Yeah, well, this time of year, I suppose that's the best we could hope for. We're at the Queen Victoria Market. I am here with the fabulous John. It's autumn. Uh, the Is Formula that- Ones are buzzing around. I'm feeling hot. I don't know about autumn, but it's dark and gloomy. But I'm still warm. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's um, there's a real sort of is it fog or just low cloud? I believe it's a smoky haze. Oh. So they were saying on the news last night. Well, yesterday's sunset was kind of weird, wasn't it? It had mm. that, that weird redshift sort of yeah. thing. Not autumn, fire. We're getting there, though. We're getting there. Well, yeah, what's, what's going on around here? Well, the vegetables and fruit are telling us it's autumn. Yeah. Um, the grapes are definitely coming out of the controlled um, atmosphere in the fridges. Yeah. Uh, but they're still very, very good. They're nice and crisp and ripe and ready to eat. So hop into the grapes now, it's the time. And John always has these uh, beautiful chemical-free sultanas, which are, are little bags of sugar. Oh, the, when they, and they start to go this beautiful golden yellow. Yeah, a lot of people are frightened by the golden colour. They think they're overripe, they're not. You haven't, you haven't trained them yet. I mean, you've had a few years now, John. Well, if they watch my dad, my dad's 93, stands up picking all the really dry ones, and my mum's behind him saying, you shouldn't be eating those. There's too much sugar in there for you. But how do you tell a 93-year-old not to eat too much? So Your dad, I'm not going to tell him no. Yeah, so, <laughs> but if you try the, the green ones and the brown ones, they taste the same. Mm. But I like to please the eye. I like to eat the golden ones. Some people like the green ones. We keep everyone happy. I don't know why, but when I see those, 
I'm reminded of a Renaissance painting for some reason. It's that very Flemish still art. Anyway, they look beautiful. Get in some grapes around. Stone fruit are absolutely peaking. I was seeing the yellow clingstone, which sort of tells us we're getting towards... Well, not the end, but it's sort of the end yeah. of the beginning, if you know what I mean. Es- especially when they're $5 a kilo, because normally you'd pick them up, you know, 2 3 $4, depends on the ripeness mm. uh, and size as well. These ones we're looking at, they're rather large like an orange and, and very clean, so they're worth $5. You go home. That I like to eat them with the skin on. Do you like it, or is yeah. it too furry for you? No, I'm fine. A lot of people get I'm the... Heebie-jeebies, Heebie-jeebies. you say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, when <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I love the peach with the skin on it. I yeah. reckon it's good for you as well. It's, it's a good bit of roughage going through. Oh, definitely. Scrapes out the insides. Um, grilled peaches are really, really good. Yeah, we haven't done that for a while. Maybe we should. And even um, be- baked peaches, chuck them in beside a, a chicken. It sounds strange. Yeah. But, um, you know, where it touches the chicken, the chicken goes a different colour and a little tinge of flavour there. Maybe saute a little bit of bit of amaretto in there. This yeah. little, yeah, 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 and maybe mate. a little bit of biscotti on the side. Yeah, be kind of nice. it's a hard life, isn't it? Hey, yeah, well, you know, you know, we're always thinking about good stuff. Okay, so peaches, stone fruit, going crazy. I've been smelling some beautiful strawberries from Wandon. Yeah, there, there's quite a few different varieties as well. So get in and have a look and see what you like the most. Yeah. Um, a lot of people shy away from the ones that have got a little bit of white on the top. The varieties that are endemic to Victoria and I believe one place in California are more white inside than red. But when you pick them up, you can smell them. They smell like fruits of the forest, you know, really intense. Mm. The flavour's intense, but they don't have the colour on the inside. But on the outside, they're very firm and red. And your nose will always tell you how good a strawberry is going to be. Definitely. And, and even some of the bigger varieties and new ones are exceptional, you know. I've eaten some as big as a plum, so, and maybe even bigger. And that's, that's big. Yeah, and you worry, uh, but they tell me that they've developed them, not genetically developed, but, you know, by selective, selective breeding, breeding yes. which I'd rather be more happy about than, than doing it in a test tube. And a gene splicing kind yeah. of uh, thing around there. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be thinking about um, getting into the berries before we start getting into the, the winter sort of, well, not winter, but late autumn. So, yeah, they're very, very good. Apples, we should be seeing all the new season I've already had in. some new season galas and uh, another variety which escapes my um, memory a little bit earlier, I think, because yeah, no, actually sweet. sweet. Yeah. So um, in the Fuji style, red or green? Yeah, and it wasn't a Fuji, though. He said it was another name. It might be another another one that's been developed. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's about time because it's March. I keep forgetting it's March. I can't believe it that we're already well into March. So, yeah, I've got to get my clock back in order again. Um, yeah, so we've been having um, apple and rhubarb and things like that, so, and even banana and custard, which don't, we don't normally have in my house because my kids don't like it. So. Banana and custard, that yeah. is one of the most un-Italian things I think I've ever heard you. Uh, see, where... Not there's anything wrong with that in Anglicised, because my grandfather came to Australia banana in 1927. And yeah, yeah. And, you know, we'd have a, a roast night, yeah. And if you didn't have banana and custard or apple and rhubarb sponge or a flan or some other dessert, there was bedlam. Yeah. You know, a rebellion, no, not bedlam, rebellion. What, what's going on? So, yeah, we're, we're into all the sweets, but we've slowed down a little bit now because when you get older, you try not to eat too much sweets. But yes. 
occasionally have to go back to the olden days. No seconds of the pudding bowl for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, not when there's anyone looking anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Excuse me. Sammy, yeah. make it up fresh for her. Oh, there we go. Special service for someone. Yeah, you? tell her to put those back and make it up fresh for her. Oh, okay, there we go. What's she getting? Uh, she's getting some rocket. Yeah. Now, we had some rocket that was um, delivered yesterday and some the day before, and we... We, um, they're both brilliant, don't get me wrong, but this is a special customer, so we'll give her the one that we got delivered yesterday morning. Give you the better, give yeah. you the special. Yeah. Special See, even stuff. Rocket will keep a week in the fridge, so that's not a problem. But mm. when we can do a little bit special for someone, we do. That sounds good. All right, and uh, one of the great barometers of uh, uh, what's going on in the market, I just see a big polystyrene box being yeah, emptied. You Whoa, must have look at mine. those. Now, they've tipped out these Five beans. Five bucks. Five bucks. They've come down. Yeah, that's a hand uh, machine-picked bean, not a hand-picked bean. Gee, they look pretty good, though. They are. They, he went to market this morning, so they would have landed last night. Yeah. So it means that they've been off the plant less than 48 hours, so they're still very edible. And eat them quick when you and get them And eat them like quick that. because in 48 hours they may be like a piece of wood. Mm. So I'm selling hand harvested. Yeah, it's true. Do you these beans are very nice. No, no, they, they look oh, dry. Oh. And, and Oh, yeah, and, I get it, but I've just, that yeah. was just such a great description. Of um, and and we, we have hand harvested beans there, $12. Big difference in price, but big difference in flavour. Yeah, right. What's your favourite flavour with a bean? Uh, just a little bit of oil and tomato. Sometimes you, you cook your beans and then you throw the tomatoes into the fry pan and stew them up and then throw the beans on top. Give them a good toss. Got to be plenty of garlic and a little bit of olive oil. And that beside a steak with a bit of crusty bread, mate. And, and if you really get naughty, you throw an egg on top. Whee! And a glass of San Giovese or something on the side. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of doing it. Um, I have a buddy of mine who um, used to cook. He's only ever done it for me Oh, about two or three times, but every time I nearly lost my mind. Uh, Malaysian-style balachan beans oh, so with, yeah. the, with the shrimp paste, and you're not going to make many friends when you're cooking it in the house, but with chilli and... Oh, but it works. Oh, it's, oh it's, my God. It's a flavour you remember, and that's oh, yeah. what we're about, isn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, is. we eat good vegetables and something that you can say, I enjoyed that. And this week, I've had... A, and last week, I've had a lot of people saying, we went to a friend's place and we had a salad. Tomato salad. Yeah. So they've come to the market especially to buy those tomatoes. Whoa. And that's a good yeah. thing for me. A good, hey. I don't have to advertise, mate. The produce advertises itself. It sings on the plate. Um, all right, so what have we done? We've covered uh, a little bit of the stone fruit. We've talked a little bit about the apples. Beans have come down. That is awesome. Um, tomato City, the sign above. So we better talk about the tomatoes. Yeah, we've got plenty of salad tomatoes. It's rather tragic with the... Tomatoes for Posada. I've had had people ringing me, texting me, pleading, and um, I've been talking to my agent. The first crop came up beautifully, had those big giant um, Romas, Romas. and then he had the actual real long Italian, Samasana. It was a true Samasana. A little bit harder on the skin, but not a lot of juice, but a very pulpy, dry tomato, Mm. very little seed. When you make a sauce, sometimes you have to put a little bit of water to thin it down a bit. That's all sounding good. When, when did yeah. it turn bad? What happened? And then it got hot and everything got burnt yes. and then it got cold and they didn't flower properly. Oh. So the second crop only got half crop. Third crop failed. So he's not going to send us any more. 
So, so the early bird caught the worm in yeah, this season. Yeah, I've been they? telling people, I told people from the start of the season, get your jars ready, get your bottles ready, get organised. Yeah. When it's time, you go, bang, we jump in and do it. If not, you don't have sauce. Yeah. We do ours every two to three years, so we've got plenty under the house. So we're not doing any this year, thank God. Wow, really? Yes. Yeah, so hopefully the agent next door, his grower's firing up and he's going to have a big crop mm. coming. Yes. When he's got an abundance, he'll serve me then, but not before. So we, we may have another batch coming for sauce. Wow, I have to keep me posted. So yeah, yeah well, but, all right then. But the tel- salad tomatoes, you know, we've been pumping, pumping them out like no one's business because mm. everyone's still feeling a little bit warm, so you have a nice salad. And then you do things like my mum. My mum was given some high tin loaves whole, and she sliced them long ways instead of cutting the face. And then she put tomato and cheese and anchovies on top and shoved them in this little electric oven and she's got, it's like a pizza sub. And the flavour and the aroma is unbelievable. So it's amazing what you can do when you've got leftover stuff all around. I did a little, um, you had those uh, big sort of like ox hardy type tomatoes. Um, and I did an old-fashioned gratin. Gratin. A gratin, we'd say, here in this country. You don't get all the highfalutin with me, mate. Um, sliced. <laughs> A little bit of nice olive oil on there, a little bit of salt, um, and then what did I do? Oh, fresh oregano. This is a little bit of hybrid, and you'll go, that sounds weird, I know. I'll just start, stop you now. Um, so a little bit of oregano, a little bit of bocconcini, just sliced on top of there, and then I put um, little bits of basil on top of those, and then I got panko breadcrumbs, whacked that on top, bunged it in the oven, and you know what? I pulled them out, and they just released all this water. Right? And I'm going, oh, maybe they're a bit wet, I thought to myself, first of all. But that, we're going to stop calling it water, that juice was just so intense in tomato flavour that I luckily I had all these bits of bread and I was just dipping it in. And you put a little cheese. bit of good olive oil on top. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, God, it was good. You know, some chefs make a clear tomato soup. Yeah, that was uh, well, Charlie Trotter. And, you, was and, and you got it. Second hand, coming out of tomatoes on its own, so why complain? And that's the best bit. That's where the flavour is. It is. Pure tomato flavour. Clear. Crazy. Um, All right, I've got to race very quickly. Pick of the market. Uh, Broccoli and cauliflower, believe it or not, have come down a lot in price, so Mm. get in and have your greens. I've got to remind myself to keep eating my greens instead of uh, hogging into the good stuff, because last night I had had, uh, coral crabs that I cooked with... um, Fried potatoes on the side. Yeah, I've hey, got to be better than you're, that. You're but a naughty boy. We're yeah. getting there. Okay. Um, we were talking about rocket and salad mix and spinach. It's all fresh. We have it delivered every day, so mm. it hasn't been sitting in the fridge. Uh, we talked about tomatoes. People have been buying uh, parsnips and turnips and things like that today. Some Patrick's Day today. Hey, happy Happy uh, name day to all the paddies out there. My grandfather was Pasquale, which is Patrick anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, so I didn't know that. we used to celebrate. When he was alive, we always went to his place for dinner. St. Pasquale day. St. Pasquale, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, get out there, have a look around. There's an abundance of red capsicums, yellow capsicums. I've yep. got mini capsicums, big red capsicums, yellow, golden yellow, long yellow. I've got green bullhorn. I've got half-red green bullhorn. Uh, no real red ones yet. They're coming. Absolutely. kind of world. All right, I'm going to race off. John, as always, thank you very, very much. We'll see you soon. Have a brilliant day. The Forum.
Ooh. <laughs> is this thing on? Yeah, is this thing on? Oh, yeah. I was going, no, it's just the Hello? forum. Yeah. That wasn't me, all right? Okay. I didn't do that. That was Matt Stedman <laughs> banging on that thing, doing the, uh, yes, the Greg Fleet impersonation. <laughs> Famous uh, thing. Hey, uh, uh, just before Liam. we move on, oh. we should say uh, a big congrats to Anthony Beattie and another Anthony who picked up the double passes to Fromage Tour on the weekend. But if you missed out, you can still go, right? You, you can, can still go. Yeah. And there's some interesting email addresses there, I thought, providers. Uh, <laughs> Liam Matthews, g'day. Hello, how are you? Oh, really, really good. Thank you for coming in. I'm sorry we didn't oh, give you, you uh, a huge amount of time. But maybe we look at this as a bit of a preliminary thing. Sure. Now, we're here. Your mastermind subject is the Caring Bush Hotel, which you are very much involved in. That's but right. I think it's kind of interesting in the fact that you got to this pub uh, originally. Timber Yard, bands, and then into pub ownership. That's an interesting sort of a career arc. It's a long path. It was a, it was a long path. Mm. Um, yeah, I was playing drums in bands and certainly wanted to get out of the timber yard so yes um wanted to start a small live music venue but obviously you have to somehow raise you know, capital that's right <laughs> make that, a living old, out of it that hoary old chestnut and yes. that's where alcohol came into it so we got a liquor license for a little storefront on high street in northcote mm. and started a really diy band venue yes um that did reasonably well surprisingly i'm still surprised by it and it's underpinned um, you moving into uh, abbotsford yeah, then we moved into the old bar um, yes. that was 11 years ago, and now we've found ourselves with a more adult this uh, business, I would say. <laughs> glorious old lady of of, um, of pubs that was originally known as, what was it, the Friendly Society Hotel? Yep. First came into being around about 1889. Yep. Um, and interestingly enough was, um, there's this, Frank Hardy power without glory thing it, with it. It was, it, it did play a part in the book. Yeah, um, right. And this, so this is where all the ne'er do wells sort of got together and that's right. And thought the the terrible things that they were going to do to other people. And I think um, the when Frank found himself in some strife yes. over that book, uh, the then owners decided to. Um, change it to the Carrying Bush, which was, I think, his name for the area. Um, uh, Collingwood. It's like, yeah, we can, we can um, make some money out of this. So that's right. And it's actually why we chose the logo that we chose, which is a Wren, because there it is. Um, one of the people that frequented the carriage was John Wren. Johnny. Johnny. and uh, But uh, Johnny would have been in there and he probably might have ordered some lamb's fry. Yeah, yeah. things would have been very different. He might have had a, a pie or he might have had, uh, you know, I, I don't know, some shanks or something like that. I actually found a very old menu under the floorboards during no. the renovation. I should have brought that in as well. Oh, really? Yeah, there was some pretty strange stuff. And what that, was the weirdest thing? Uh, the, the, the $2 broccoli soup. Which is probably the only vegetarian meal, so it's it's definitely changed now. The two dollar broccoli soup. Two dollar bro- broccoli soup. It would have been a fair bit of money in those days for a broccoli soup. There's nothing on this menu in double digits. Everything yeah. is seven dollars and under. So yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, so, but you've decided to embark on a whole new uh, direction in in this pub menu. That's right. Um, what is it and what led you to make this decision? Okay, so um, I've got two business partners yes. and I'm a vegan. One of the others is a vegetarian and the other one is a carnivore. Yes. And But we all have been working for a long time at the old bar trying to make it a bit more environmentally friendly and sustainable. Nice to see you all play well together. We do play well it's together. Like it sounds like we a start of a joke. All right, so a meat eater, a vegan, a vegetarian <laughs> walk into a bar and they say, what are we going to do with this menu? 
And yeah, well, we just wanted to uh, sort of lessen our footprint, I guess. We wanted to try and run a successful business that didn't, you know, play havoc with uh, the land that we're on, I guess. Yeah. And that one of the things that we discussed was not having meat. It's a bit of a thing. Which is a shock. A shock to um, old school pub goers, I think. But they're is embracing it, it. Is it really? I Some mean, people are very shocked, oh, I have to admit. Oh. But isn't it funny? Matt, I think there's sort of a bit of a theme coming on the show today mm. about, you know, just. Uh, moving on, mm-hmm. uh, evolving um, quite a bit. And I would have said that five years ago, if you would have done that, we would have looked at you and gone, wow, that's a courageous decision. Absolutely. With all that sort of dripping irony that sort of flows from that statement. But now it's like, what did you say? Quote, quote, it's, it's a statement. A duh moment. Duh. So I, I mentioned I was at a uh, high profile, recently reopened hotel uh, in my hometown of St Kilda earlier this week. Let me just say that again. So a high, high profile, profile, recently reopened, recent reopened hotel in uh, St Kilda. I was at the SB. But okay, yes. I was just a bit I don't know, dismayed. Only one vegan option on the menu. And it's like, come on, guys. Nuts. Let's move it, with the times. It's 2019. And it's... Um, it's an it's an exciting prospect. It, it's I think that it's actually probably a more difficult menu to put together. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more creative input into trying to get these vegetables to represent there's, whole meals. There's a lot more preparation than just chucking, getting, cutting the steaks and throwing them on the grill. No, that's right. Or, so you know um, the Kievs in the deep fryer. It's been it's been a great experience, I think, for head chef Roxanne Olsen and for us. We've really enjoyed. Who's your the head process. chef, Roxanne. Roxanne Olsen? Hi, Roxanne. Is she listening? I hope she's listening. No, okay. Otherwise, there'll uh, be questions. There might be another head chef coming on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be in a lot of trouble. So, uh, how long did she take to develop this menu? Um, we and she started working for us in August last year mm. um, while we were doing the renovation, and she actually designed the kitchen with the kitchen makers around what she wanted to do. Oh, and really? So she we had to win her over because she is also. Um, uh, a meat eater, so it yes. was um, taking something that she probably was more comfortable doing and removing that from her wow. her portfolio. Yeah, so yeah. we offered her a brand new kitchen and to become head chef and to write her first menu, and she's done <laughs> and an a, amazing job and a generous writer at the end. Of no, every that's right. Shift. That's right. Yes, there will be Jack Daniels. Um, yeah, she's. I think she's loved it. She's really embraced it. Where you know, there's more to it than just not being meat. We're asking her not to bring in produce in plastic. We're trying to put out. Really, we're trying to get down to nearly no waste. Yeah, metal which straws. Is hard. Metal straws, yeah. uh, single-fired crockery, which is a big thing, apparently. Say that again. Single-fired crockery. What does that mean? Um, oh, single-fired. So you're not yeah, doing... You're they just usually do it three times, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite... Being a they use a lot of power and stuff, so... Yeah. Um, just things like that along the way. She really understood the brief that we gave her, and the kitchen's putting out nearly no waste. So it's. I'm really impressed with what they're doing. What's your favourite thing on the menu? The, What's your favourite child? Teriyaki tofu. Oh, there you go. It's delicious. I have it probably two or three times a week. Yeah. Onion broth and rice. Ooh. It is very tasty. Oh, that's And very crispy. Even though it's in the broth, the tofu is extremely crispy. Beer battered cauliflower fries, tartare and lemon. Fish and chips, yes. Yeah, my God. Oh, wow, this is a, this is an awesome menu. Can people see this online? This this menu? Uh, yeah, more so on our social media. Our website is still being constructed, so there is one there. Yeah, um, but it doesn't have the downloadable menu yet. But it, it, they'll definitely find it on Facebook and Instagram. What's your Insta handle? At the Carrying Bush. That's that's pretty easy. Yeah. yeah, yep. It's got the little wren. So there is a unfortunately a few Carrying Bush hotels on Instagram because there was previous owners who just started a new one each time. But if they look for the green wren. They'll mm. certainly find us. Yeah, say Frank sent you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, well, look, come and um, maybe bring in the chef next time. Yeah. So we can maybe have a chat to her. That'd because, be great. Uh, 
I'm kind of conscious of the fact that we didn't really give you time to no, that's fine. spread your wings. Uh, but look, it sounds great what you're doing there, and congratulations, and I think that deserves an enormous amount of success. Thank you. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maddie, we need to go. We're uh, overtime just. Oh, okay. I'm not even going to say Still here coming up next. next. Still here coming up next. They're here, and they're ready to go. We're ready to wave to them. We're waving to them now. Yes. I'll stop because that's your job. Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> See you next week. Thank you, Liam, for coming in. Thank you. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.